I'm Kyle McNulty, and you're listening to Secure Ventures, the show that follows cutting-edge founders in the cybersecurity space to understand their plights, glories, and revolutionary products. With me in this episode is Ankita Gupta. Ankita is CEO and co-founder at Acto, helping organizations secure APIs through a tool they actually love. Before Acto, she was chief of staff to the CEO at CleverTap, where she realized starting a company may not be as far-fetched as she'd previously felt. Ankita and her co-founder, Ankush, launched Acto back in late 2021 because they felt existing API security tools lacked the ability to customize and shift left the security engineers really valued in their favorite security tools. In late 2022, they raised $4.5 million in seed funding led by Excel, and their open source product is available to use today. Ankita, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me, Kyle. So take me back to CleverTap, because you'd worked at VMware for a couple of years, you got your MBA, and then yeah. you went on to join as the chief of staff at, at CleverTap. What was that experience like for you? How was the role as chief of staff maybe inspirational and influential in terms of deciding to start your own company? Yeah, uh, so Kyle, uh, it was sort of an interesting uh, journey. Actually, I'll go a little bit back. Um, So when I was at VMware, I was uh, actually in Palo Alto, US, and I uh, had to come back to India because of some visa issue. And I was actually not planning to join a startup until then. I was happy with VMware. I would have continued, you know, uh, in a large enterprise probably for the rest of my career. Um, But then this happened. And uh, fortunately, uh, I joined CleverTap as the chief of staff to the CEO. And uh, it completely changed my life uh, for the two years that I was working in this role. I got exposure to the whole startup world. Uh, to the SaaS world, um, learned how, you know, what kind of problems a CEO faces. Uh, we were a very small startup when I joined, uh, so was very, very much involved in all GTM-related problems uh, for CleverTap. It, it's, it, it's a company which, is, which essentially has all the tech in India and is trying to sell to the world, so which is a very common problem, uh, common startup problem in India. So I learned that. Uh, it like exposed me to all sort of, I would say, GTM related uh, problem set. Uh, it exposed me to the world of, you know, how to how a founder thinks about running a business, um, how, you know, you start from like a $20 million revenue to scale it to, I don't know, more than $40, $50 million. Um, it was it was pretty intense, nothing like I'd ever done before. I was part of like the biggest of the biggest companies like JP Morgan, LinkedIn, VMware. So Cleverer was a whole different world for me. And I'm so, so glad I did that. So obviously there's a whole host of reasons that people typically go into startups, right? A bit more flexibility, the fast pace, the buzz of working on something innovative. What was it for you that stuck out so much about that whole startup ecosystem compared to some of the larger enterprises that you'd worked in? Yeah, I think, Kyle, um, I was at the point in my career where uh, I was hungry to learn. Like, I didn't want a nine-to-five job. I, I was doing it at VMware. I was comfortable. But I, I really wanted to be uncomfortable. I wanted to learn a lot in a short period of time. I think that was 
the real hunger why I joined a startup. Um, and I got that. I got that so much in Clevertap. I'm, I'm just so ha- happy about my journey there. So I think it was, in short, like a lot of learning, a lot of like just working with real hungry people, people who really wanted to build something awesome. And I had a, like the team at Clevertap, my ex-boss, my, you know, all the colleagues, they were really smart, amazing set of people who I learned so much from. So I think that was like one of the best decisions of my life. <laughs> okay. So you established this kind of desire for learning and, and you felt that pace was much faster in startups, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go out and, and start your own. So what yes. was that transition like for you in terms of, okay, I enjoy the startup world from, or then to, okay, I'm actually going to, to build my own. Yeah, so Kyle, um, a lot of things happened very organically for me. You know, uh, I met my current co-founder in Clevertac, who became my very good friend when I was there. And um, as two ambitious people, we would, you know, just keep discussing a lot of challenges, problems uh, that we want to solve personally, that we, you know, care about, we are passionate about. And it's sort of... I don't know, it was COVID time and we wanted to, you know, build something. It was not, oh, let's, uh, you know, quit Clever Tap and start a company, but it was more be organic. Okay, there's some idea that's clicking us and should we think about, you know, starting a company? And because we were at Clever Tap, we realized, I mean, it's it's very hard to be a startup founder, but we realized it wasn't, it wasn't something we couldn't do. We were at a point where we felt like, Yes, we can also do it. At least that came into my mind. At VMware, I just could, I used to think that it's a different world. I could never be a founder. But at Clevertap, I could feel like, okay, yes, this is possible. I can take risk. This is definitely something I can build. And I feel, if I feel passionate about a problem, I will do it. So that, at least that mindset was there. And just because I, you know, we, we, like because we were friends and we were exploring this area, I, we, it was very organic to okay, it's sort of quick lever tap and start this company. So, you decided that hey, we have this opportunity in front of us. Yeah, you had already been talking about all these various problems and and challenges that you run into over the course of your life, and and just brainstorming different yeah. spaces where where solutions may be necessary. How did you arrive at API security in the specific Acto product? Yeah, so guys, this is super interesting. So my co-founder, he was VP engineer at Clevertap. Um, and uh, he sort of was working on a little, very small project on uh, something related to application security. And he was dealing with, you know, a little bit of external vendors who would do pen testing sort of a thing. And uh, both of us felt like he's doing a lot of autom- uh sorry, manual tasks, which could completely be automated. So we, uh, by the way, decided to actually talk to some 200, 300 plus security engineers, understand if this, this problem is actually real, like people, do people get pen testing done or actually they solve it in-house? What, like, do is there a product which is built which can automate all of this thing? And that sort of built our whole roadmap. We thought it's like app security, which is a problem, but actually people are, more people, at least in 2021, were more concerned about API security as a problem. And that sort of built, uh, you know, a roadmap 
por acto. API security is a space that's grown significantly over yep. the last few years yep. now. You're mentioning that at the time, which I'd imagine this was what, late 2019, 2020, somewhere in there? Uh, when we started Acto, you mean? When you were going through this process of... This process was late uh, 2021. 2021. Okay. So you're, you're going through this process and you're saying, hey, there's an opportunity to better automate some of this testing that we're performing on our various APIs. But there were a few API security tools that existed at this point. What were those key gaps that you looked at and said, we want to perform this automated testing, but the existing tools just aren't fully getting these specific needs of the user? Yeah, so Kyle, uh, very interesting question, and it brings back a lot of memories of you know the interviews that we were doing. Uh, I think uh, there was there was a bunch of players like Salt Security. There were a couple of very new players like you know No Name, Traceable, which were just about coming and had raised a lot of funding. Um, but when we were talking to all the security engineers across the world, like US, Singapore, India, everywhere, we realized people had heard of these solutions, but nobody was, uh, you know in love with any of the products that I'm talking about. Uh, so it wasn't like, okay, this problem has been solved and things, uh, and even if we saw websites and products out there, they were very really hard to touch and feel. What I mean by that is uh, you had to book a demo, you had to go through the whole sales process, you had to do a two to three months long POC to even understand the product. I mean, we, we understood the problem statement, we understood what kind of solutions these vendors were providing, but we clearly knew that the gap is, um, it's, it's probably features were still there in these products, but the gap is actually the whole GTM process, the whole like sales-led process was kind of becoming, a, you know, a difficult thing for users to even start and start and use the product. So I, I think that was the key trigger that, okay, um, this is not how probably an API security product should be sold. And that's, uh, one of the big reasons also that we started the company. Interesting, because that process that you just described sounds a lot like the just typical cybersecurity sales process, nothing exclusive or unique to API security, right? I think any sort of security tool you're buying, IAM, cloud, broader AppSec, whatever it might be, goes through that same sort of, hey, reach out, book a demo. We have that kind of intro call that's a bit more of a sales pitch than truly yeah. um, identifying the the key features of the tool. And so how how did you plan to disrupt that and and do something yeah. different than than what was so kind of tried and true in the industry? Yeah. So Kyle, actually to add to uh, the answer to previous question also, the second thing was also that we came from developer background, right? Uh, we also wanted... Uh, to solve it in the right way, which is, you know, build a solution which is more in the developer pipeline and not really, you know, post the APIs are deployed or a runtime solution. So most of the vendors out there were kind of focusing on being a runtime player rather than, you know, proactively solving for API security, which was sort of our vision because we just, because of the developer bias that we had, we just 
thought that this is very very important that we solve it in the visual studio code in the github uh, you know in the developer pipeline and not really after the apis are deployed uh so that was also the second approach that second reason why we thought okay this is something that we are going to solve in a different way uh kyle uh, when you we were talking to all of these people right so i would my favorite question would be that what is your loved product in cybersecurity and by default the answer would be uh you know burp suite or uh uh grep or even snick right uh and this these were loved products meaning like uh people people talk really good thing about it it's not like okay they had i i just couldn't find a person who would say bad things about burp suite or semgrep uh which made us think about the model that these guys had right burp suite is very easy it has community version it has very easy way to for somebody to download and start using without somebody to have to go on a sales call similarly for semgrep an open source tool which is super easy for somebody to start use using without again going through the whole sales process so i think there are very good examples in the world in cyber security uh, where products are loved which are not the whole sales led which don't have the whole sales led motion um, and that sort of became also our inspiration but we also wanted to kind of you know bring this whole thing that why can't and product led um growth uh, motion work in api security and we wanted to prove that and that's what we are doing with our own open source model actually right you mentioned the the two different elements right part of it is go to market and part of it is that idea of being able to better integrate these tools into the developer yeah. processes and pipeline and as far as the go to market piece it, it makes sense as far as hey we want to get this in front of customers and make it easy for them to actually get their hands on but my first reaction is also this is a tricky component as far yes. as long term differentiation right because ultimately if these other players in the space that are more established see hey all we have to do is start making a free demo version available on our website then you're all of a sudden in a pretty tricky spot having dedicated a couple of years to to building a competitor so how did you think about that problem and and prepare for just other players kind of changing the way they sold their products no absolutely kyle you are very right uh, the product has to be good too right yep the product has to solve the right problems and um, as i said before it's not right now in api security uh, at least from all our conversation there's no loved product so for us it was a very big opportunity to actually make a product that people love and uh, and you're right gtm can't be the only way you know long term that uh, uh, any company can win and competitors can catch up in gtm or, and also in the in the way your product um, is being built and they can catch up on features they can build the same features but you have to be true in terms of your vision which for us is to actually solve it in the right way and not in the runtime as i'm speaking it's it has to be solved in the developer pipeline the false positives have to be less uh people have to love the test that you have built or you know the way you are solving for api security and that's what uh, at least we are doing especially with our open source version mm. and and i do want to come back to this whole open source piece as well cuz i think this is fascinating but i want to drill into further this idea of i want people to love it because you've said that specific phrase a couple of times now there's a lot of tools that exist today that yeah. shift 
security left, right? This yeah. kind of classic idea of DevSecOps, move it earlier in the development pipeline. But that doesn't necessarily mean that developers are going to love your product. Yeah. Yes. And I think just building strong security capabilities also doesn't meet that requirement. So when you think about, as again, you put it, we want to be loved. What are the specific things that you're prioritizing to make sure that that comes to fruition? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question, Kyle. So there are two very specific problems that we are trying to solve in API security. One is API inventory. And the second is API testing, API security testing in CI CD pipeline. When I say I want people to love the product, I want that they get their API in inventory instantly. They know exactly what all APIs they have in the application, all automated in runtime all the time. They shouldn't there shouldn't be a gap in their API inventory. And and that's one big problem. The second is uh, I want all of the users to be able to run all of their API security tests in an automated fashion in, a, in the CI/CD pipeline. And if a user is using Acto, they should be able to, you know, if like all the tests which they can't automate today, they should be able to get like full automated checks for all of their tests in CI/CD. This is these are the two problems. If we can totally solve, I think we have a loved product in the market. Hmm. So back to that kind of broader theme, then it, it really is building the kind of technical capabilities, the specific features that you've understood the market to want, as opposed to having some more like secret sauce or like building emojis into different elements of the platform uh, makes sense. So let's talk about the the open source piece a little bit further then, because typically when I see a company that has an open source version. It's something like a command line interface that uh, strips away some of the core functionality, makes it a little bit harder to use for enterprises that might need uh, just a smoother UI and, and experience as a whole. But at Acto, your team decided to open source the entire UI as well. So essentially the full product is available open source. What's the, the rationale? Why why did you decide to make that decision? Yeah, Kyle, uh, the rationale was actually from day one. Uh, we wanted to kind of open source. We just didn't uh, know okay, if it was the right time or should we go ahead with it because we were working with a bunch of enterprise clients and uh, we hadn't really opened it for the users, you know. So we didn't uh, we didn't know, okay, when do we cut that cord and start going open source? But um, when we started building, you know, a testing module some eight months, nine months ago, which was like May, end of May or something, and we released it um, in beta for a couple of our users, uh, we realized all of those users had this demand of adding their own custom test to Acto. Uh, we had built our own automated test suite and they all wanted to change something because for their own business needs. They wanted to add their own templates and play around with all of the tests that we had. And it, you know, it sort of uh, like gave us that kick that, okay, this, this makes sense, right? Like to open source the whole product and get them to add their own templates, add their own tests, change tests, whatever they want. In fact, even the, uh, the 
we also have this functionality where we uh, show sensitive data being passed in request and response. Now, a lot of people had this uh, request that, you know, why can't we add our own sensitive uh, parameters and uh, based on our business needs, which again, you know, for us, it was like, okay, if few people add their own sensitive parameters, uh, then we can actually open source it to the world and we can make it available to the whole world instead of just keeping it for different business uh, businesses. And that's that was the whole idea. And so we started working on open sourcing it uh, some three to four months ago. And, uh, and yeah, it took some, it took a while. And then by end of Jan, we were ready. And February 1st is when we actually open sourced the product. Um, and to your second question, right, that why did we open source the whole product? Uh, so, so by the way, we have an enterprise version also, which is closed source. Uh, so Kyle, the difference between the open source and the closed source thing is open source is very much for individual users, uh, meaning somebody can locally deploy Acto and start running their tests, uh, getting the inventory. Uh, but if you want, uh, uh, you know, automated inventory uh, for your application in your staging or uh, production environment, then you have to do, you have to deploy the enterprise version which is a closed source version. Everything that you see in the community version is actually meant for one user. But you can't, like all the tests that we have are actually business logic tests and they have, they work really, really well if you have uh, a lot of data. But that data comes more in enterprises where you have, you know, you in production and staging environment, you get continuous stream of data. But in the local deploy version, you have only one user data. So all the tests are good, but obviously you will find a little bit of false positive because our machine learning algorithm won't work in the local deploy version. And that's why the difference between the community and the enterprise version. Thinking through from a differentiation standpoint, you talked through two of the core technical components that Acto is really focusing on. The first piece was the API inventory. Mm -hmm. And the second piece was making sure that automated tests were available. If you're trying to differentiate from companies that already have significant footprints in this ecosystem, how do you think about really showing your code to these competitors when they clearly have developers that could go ahead and build uh, these types of capabilities if they know exactly what to look for. You mean if the code is available to the world um, to see and copy, then how how do we differentiate? Like how would we... Uh, how are you preventing these yeah. companies from copying you? Yeah, Kyle, that's totally fine. I think that uh, both me and my co-founder are very strong on that Code is never, you know, an intellectual property and anyone can reverse engineer your product any day. Uh, so that a smart developer can build any product in a couple of months. So that's that's never an intellectual property at all. Hmm. It's totally fine. I mean, they can understand the logic of the logic of what you're building and everything, but it's not it's not very difficult to build anyway for a developer, hmm. uh, for a smart developer. Yeah. So then how do you see your longer term differentiation in this space, right? We've, we've talked about, again, we've talked a lot about differentiation, yeah, yeah. the go-to-market component, the technical component, but 
we've also over the course of this conversation agreed that the go to market piece is very easily replicable uh, because other companies could make free demos available online. And the technical piece is also easily replicable uh, because they could go ahead and look at the features that you've been developing, start deploying those with a much broader kind of existing customer base. How do you think about making a statement longer term uh, rather than just being kind of swept under the rug after uh, some of the, the major players have stolen some of those those key lessons? That's right, Kyle. And uh, so we keep thinking about it every day, right? And uh, as I said, in long-term vision, uh, we really want to shift flip, which does not just, you know, reside, I mean, just restrain ourselves to CICD pipeline. We want to shift left as much as when a developer is writing uh, an API, they should be able to, uh, you know, get alerts or understand if there are any API security checks which are failing. Um, in their VS Code, in GitHub, and not really, you know, in the CD pipeline, which is too too late still. Um, and that's something that nobody is doing, and it's very hard to do also um, in a sophisticated way, which is something that we want to build. Uh, we haven't started yet, but that's our long-term vision to actually make something for developers, uh, you know, to use from, like, even when they start designing and building the API. Uh, so that's that's kind that kind is one, and the second we really believe in something that our users love us for is actually the uh, ability to add their own custom test, right? Which which is just so easy to do with Acto. It's a very easy YML template that they can just come and start writing their test, and within like thirty to forty minutes, they can write their own test and you know just add it to Acto and start running. They don't have to rely uh, on us to add those tests that they want to run uh, in their CI CD pipeline. So that's 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 a very big difference that I, that I don't think currently anyone in the industry is doing. Tell me a little bit more about this model as far as developers writing their own tests because having done some development myself, <coughs> writing unit tests was just about the most painful process on the planet. And I know a lot of developers yeah. uh, share that that methodology or, or that impression. Now, obviously, that's not the right mentality from a security standpoint. So kudos to all the folks that, that do understand that importance. But I have to imagine the process itself is still not the most exciting uh, way for developers to spend their time. So what is the pitch to folks as far as like why this is something that they are interested in an an exciting way that they're going to spend an hour of their day writing custom tests in some API security tool. Got it. Uh, Kyle, uh, I think I didn't mention this, but our tool is currently focused a lot for security engineers and not developers. Uh, So we expect, and when I say users, we expect these users who are security engineers to write their own custom templates, which they do, which by the way, they keep adding and writing in a lot of ways in a lot of tools. I don't expect developers today to write, you know, these uh, tests at all. Uh, for developers, what, what I'm saying is that I want an ability for Acto to do something in their uh, Visual Studio Code or GitHub, but today we don't have that capability and that's a long-term vision. But today, the tool is built more for security engineers and very little for developers, actually. 
Perfect. So when we're talking about the idea of shifting left, right, and moving it earlier in the pipeline, we're thinking about embedded security engineers within those development teams, as opposed to the developers themselves who are actually executing these capabilities. Is that right? That is right, guys. I I mean, from day one, we've been thinking about this, right, that will developers use a security tool and, you know, an API security tool and how much is it a problem for a developer? And we talk to developers all the time. I mean, we all come from developer background, but it's it's very hard, Kyle, today to convince developers to, you know, take it as a priority. It is security teams who have to somehow, you know, nudge developers to use some security tool. And it's true for all the other tools also in the market. For example, SEMGREP also is used by developers and SNCC is used by developers, but they're all sort of brought into the company by security teams, but then are given to developers to use. But developers don't really buy those tools. Yep, completely makes sense. So we've talked a little bit about the roadmap and and future of Acto. I'm curious to hear, what is the feature on the roadmap that you are most excited about? Again, you just released the open source version in the beginning of February. What is the team really driving towards right now that, that excites you? The next three months, Kyle, is all going to be adding some thousand plus tests in Acto. And we have a wow. hackathon running in March in about 30 days uh, to get, it's like a 10 days of festival that we are running called Hacktest with Acto. It's going to be about, you know, getting developers, security engineers, pen, tests, pen testers to come on Acto's open source project and contribute tests. Uh, so that is something that we are very, very excited about. The whole team is working on, uh, you know, making those contribution guides and all of that. Um, so, yeah. So I, as I said, it's super, super important that the tests are easy for people to add um, and start running with Acto when that's our goal. Interesting. Love the idea as far as having that that kind of community event for people to to go ahead and contribute. And like we talked about, seems like a, a a tricky balance of of getting folks to go ahead and write more tests uh, but I, I think that's an exciting mission as far as bringing the whole community together kind of making it as easy as possible for folks to contribute and, and building that culture within the ecosystem so final question for you i know you raised from excel late last year what's the timeline as far as when you're expecting to to raise your next round and are you currently hiring I uh, I am currently hiring for uh, a growth marketer or slash a product market, uh, essentially to build community and uh, you know grow the community, nurture the community. Uh, uh, that's pretty much it. And I we have set up like some six developers, and I think we are not hiring at least in engineering team. Uh, mm. uh, we both both me and my co-founder love the lean team idea. Uh, so very much uh, set with the team that we have. Uh, in terms of fundraise, we just raised, uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, uh, no plans as such. But I always keep looking at um, offers that I receive. So so yeah. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate hearing, again, just your perspective on on diving into the differentiation that really exists in the space. What it means to make a product that 
users truly love as opposed to just another security tool that can get lost in, in the broader haystack of, of tooling that exists today. So again, thank you for your time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can write to me at kyle at secureventures.io. I'm Kyle McNulty and you've been listening to Secure Ventures.